it ain't the left side or the right side, then it must be the fin side. Thank you, Solo D. Welcome to another episode of On the Fin Side here with Kat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Brian Cat NFL, and Paul is fanatic underscore pick on Twitter. Congratulations to the new Super Bowl champions. As we're recording tonight, the Kansas City Chiefs defeat the San Francisco 49ers 31-20 in Miami at Hard Rock Stadium. Damian Williams, 17 carries for 104 yards, two touchdowns, including the game winner. But, uh, Paul, I've got to say it, thank God it is actually the offseason now. Oh, it's been the offseason for a while. Come on now. Hmm. And one little shout-out I do have to give, though, from the Super Bowl. is it, We've had him on the show a number of times. I know we, we've, we've gotten to go to a game with him. We've gotten to hang out with him down in Miami. He's come up to the MetLife Takeover. Um, just all around awesome guy, former Dolphin. Seems to collect rings every time he leaves Miami. But huge congrats from from me, and I know from you too, to, to Sam Madison. Well deserved defensive backs coach for for the Chiefs now. Uh, great to see him get another ring at Miami camp. And when we were down in Miami, him talking about winning a Super Bowl ring with the New York Giants against the Patriots, and probably his worst season as a pro. But he got one then, and now he's got one as a coach. Could not have happened to a better guy, and you bet he's talking everybody's ear off as we record this podcast. So, Paul, what we're doing here tonight is breaking down the our top 26 board for the NFL draft as, as we get past Senior Bowl week and before the NFL Draft Combine. And the reason we're doing top 26 is for a couple reasons. Number one, because everybody's doing top 25, top 50, top 100. We're doing top 26, and the reason, main reason for it is because the Dolphins are going to pick three times in the top 26 selections in the draft. This is what we've been waiting for. So in unveiling our board, we're confident that we're going to get three of these top 26 players. I mean, it's a mathematical certainty. But starting at the top uh, at, at the first two guys, Paul. I just have to jump in. Sorry, I know I know we're, 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 we're diving in, but the only reason I say it's not a mathematical certainty is we've seen Greer likes to make moves. And so there, there is potential that we deviate from that. But, again, it's as it stands now with our way-too-early big board, it, it looks like three picks. Yeah, it's quite possible that uh, they, they drop down from five or 18 or 26 and, and acquire more picks or acquire pick, more picks in the following years. Very possible. So the, the first two players on both of our boards uh, seem to be very consistent with pretty much every other board that we see. And that's uh, Joe Burrow at number one and Chase Young at number two. For you, Paul, do you see that changing throughout the pre-draft process at all? Not a bit. It's uh, unless Chase Young falls in the shower or what have you. It's, it's he's number two, and everybody here knows how I feel about Burrow. I've been talking about him. I think since July or August. Uh, Burrow is is the guy that I would give up a lot to move up and get. I mean, it's. 
I, I, I hear a lot of folks say, oh, if we miss on Burrow and Tua, we'll just get Lawrence next year. I've got news for you. Miami's better positioned this year to move up if it becomes a possibility than they are in next year's draft to go up and get a Lawrence or a Fields. Miami's got two first-rounders next year. They don't have the ammunition this year as it stands right now to trade and accumulate first-round picks next for next year's draft unless they trade this year's picks to go there. And in reality, I expect Miami to have a better arsenal at Flores' disposal next season, so I don't expect Miami to be up as high in next year's draft. So this is the year to go out and get your quarterback if you think you can make that move to strike and get the guy. So given that, the big talk this week, and it's no surprise to anybody, the odds of Tua becoming a Miami Dolphin have never been stronger. And when you when you look at the talk this week, Ryan Fitzpatrick is, is coming back, according to Ian Rappaport. And on 97.3 ESPN Radio, Tua's agent Lee Steinberg said, you want to make sure that your client ends up with a good organization. I'm hoping Cincinnati falls in love with Joe Burrow. I mean, you want to talk about ouch. <laughs> I mean... That's incredible. And right now, I've got Tua as number three on my board. I'm willing to take the risk with that injury. Uh, it's not a question of whether or not the guy's injury prone. We know he's injury prone. I mean, it, you look back at going all the way back to March 2018, he had a broken finger. Then in uh, October 2018, he had knee and quad injuries, too. And then the following year, you know, we've, we've seen all the injury problems that, that have happened with him. He had a tightrope ankle surgery in October this, this past year, as well as a dislocated hip that he's going to be recovering from throughout the entire offseason. So I've got Tua as my number three guy, but I understand you've got him a little bit lower on yours. In fact, a lot lower. I do. And for me, I like Tua. I like Tua's skill set. I, I like Tua's leadership ability. I like off the field Tua. I love everything about Tua except what you just outlined. Two tightrope ankle surgeries, the blown out hip. There's too many medical question marks as it stands right now leading up to the draft as well as for the future. This is not a 35-year-old quarterback that you have to kind of stitch their legs together. This is a, you know, we're talking about since he was 20 years old, he's had two tightrope surgeries, uh, one on each ankle. He's had the blown out hip. I'll ignore, you know, the ouchies, the broken finger on a helmet, the quad thing that made him miss a game, the knee-ish, the sprained knee. But he just doesn't seem to be holding up at a point when he should be at his absolutely most durable. And that worries the hell out of me from a position that's going to take a beating. And what the long term is for for a franchise quarterback, I want somebody that's going to be in Miami until they're 37, 38 years old. And we have to have that debate if they're 41, 42 as to whether or not it's a good idea to resign them as they're descending. Not when they're physically deteriorating at 21, 22 years old. I can't take a top 10 pick for that. So for me, I've got two at 23 and that was a stretch for me. I know there's going to be a lot of people pissed off about it. 
sorry, I, I can't take that medical risk on a franchise position in the first round. If we were just talking about a talent evaluation, then it would be a different story. But given mm-hmm. how you feel about the injury, I, I can completely understand that. I've got two at three because w- when I see the way he diagnoses the field, I think he does it at, at a rare level. And if even Joe Burrow, as productive as he's been, I don't know if he can see the field at the level that Tua does. And a lot of people would disagree with that, too. But it, for me, it's worth the risk. And when you look at how the table is set moving forward, Chan Gailey hired his offensive coordinator. And Ryan Fitzpatrick coming back. Josh Rosen is the backup. And who knows what happens with him in the future. I, you know, I, I feel that's a strong quarterback room. And you've also got in, in Chan Gailey's offense three or four wide receivers on the field at the same time. Uh, for for the majority of snaps, and I think that benefits Tua as well. So, it, it, but the big thing for me, and and what's different than a lot of Dolphins fans and, and a lot of people on Dolphins Twitter, I wasn't somebody even before the injury who thought that he should have that that we should tank for Tua or any of this nonsense that was really driven by the media to, to begin with. So, Tua is my third guy, but who is number three on your board, Paul? Number three on my board, I've I've got a CUDA, and I've got that with an exclamation point. The kid is the closest thing to a lockdown corner. He's Jalen Ramsey without the problems. It's He could come out here, whether Miami signs Byron Jones this offseason or not, and be the guy opposite Xavier Howard. And then you've got Byron Jones as a flex piece to go along with, with, uh, with Bobby and to go along with Eric Rowe being that deep role. And suddenly you've got a pretty amazing backfield that's going to only make your front seven look better. So uh, it, given that free agent is, free agency is first, if the Dolphins get Byron Jones to pair with Xavier Howard, do, do you still have a, a Cuda third on your board? Yes. He's too okay. talented not to take him. Interesting. Uh, he would be number four on mine, and yeah, for a lot of reasons you said too. Uh, you know, I think he's a lockdown guy, and when you look at the last two cornerbacks drafted out of Ohio State, where they were, Denzel Ward and Mar- Marshawn Lattimore, uh, both Pro Bowl guys. I think Okuda is even better than than both of them. He's a press man cornerback in that Jalen Ramsey mold. He's not quite as athletic or lengthy as as Ramsey, but I think he's a better kid. Uh, on top of it. So real clean prospect. And then when I go along here, and and this is where it kind of gets interesting for me, is that five through seven, I've got offensive tackles. And number five, I've got uh, Andrew Thomas from Georgia. I mean, this is somebody that I'm a little confused why he seems to be dropping on a lot of boards, especially with, uh, you know, the the Mel Kuypers and, and Todd McShays and Matt Miller's you know, not quite as highly rated as he was before, even though I think he's had a great year. Uh, he, he played right tackle. He played left tackle um, throughout his career at Georgia. And I, I think he's somebody who's just been great for so long, it kind of gets boring. Number six, Tristan Wilfs, or, or Tristan Wolf, excuse me, from Iowa. Massive prospect. I, I think he, if Juwan Taylor can play right tackle as well as he did this past year with the Jaguars, played every snap. 
Worfs is that massive frame who can play right tackle, can play left tackle, and he showed the ability to do that this past year at Iowa when uh, Alaric Jackson went down. And then seventh is uh, uh, Jedrick Wills, and he's a 20-year-old prospect, 6'5", 320 out of Alabama, very technically sound, and somebody who I, I feel has all the, the potential to play left tackle or even kick inside the guard. So that's where I am up to number seven, Paul. How is your board shaping up to this point after Jeff Akuda? Well, by the time I get to seven, I'll finally have an offensive tackle on it. I went. I wound up defense heavy after Burrow. It's at number four. I've got Derek Brown, the defensive tackle. He needs some technique refinement, but he's just so big, strong, and powerful that once they teach him the technique, he can just destroy in the middle of a defense. And you pair him up uh, with with Wilkins. You pair him up with Gachow, and Miami just becomes a nightmare uh, up front on defense. After Derek Brown, I've got Javon Kinlaw, who Omar Kelly hopefully knows who he is at this point in time. But you look at what he did early in the Senior Bowl week. You look at everything he's done, how powerful he is, the moves that he's got at his disposal, and his ability to just get better even. And it's a no-brainer for me there. After that, I've got somebody that I don't know if you're going to be a fan of this or not. I, I I think a lot of Dolphins fans have fallen in love with him throughout the offseason. But Isaiah Simmons, that hybrid linebacker, DB, I just love the idea of what Brian Flores could do with, with a movable piece like this that wants to be a movable piece and isn't going to fight the process. We won't point any fingers and make a Fitzpatrick, who apparently wants to be a move piece in Pittsburgh now, and is blaming that for why he lost production being in one yeah. spot last year. Um, and then I'll round that out at number seven with Andrew Thomas, who I know you've already mentioned. Yeah, and I've it's it's interesting how our boards uh, divide a little bit here because I would prefer to go defense heavy in free agency and then come back with the offensive line uh, in the NFL draft. But I, I think either way, and, and, and that's what's, what the good thing is about the Dolphins having over $90 million in cap space and probably more, as well as 14 draft picks. So at uh, number seven for me is uh, Javon Kinlaw. I, this is somebody, it's not just recency bias with him. He has incredible length, and I think he'd make a, a great, threesome there with Davin Gotcha and a Christian Wilkins on the defensive line. And, it, you know, we, when he went down to senior bowl week, he was completely unblockable. And he, he reminds me a little bit of DeForest Buckner from the San Francisco 49ers who played today because of that length and his ability to command double teams and fight through them. Number eight is Caleb uh, on Chason. And, this is someone that missed the, the 2018 season with an injury. There were high hopes for him at this time. Then he came back in 2019. He didn't have eye-popping numbers, just six and a half sacks. But at 6'4", 250 pounds, 20 years old, he's somebody that can not only bend the edge, but can also force run plays back inside with, with his size. He can take on offensive tackles head-to-head -head and, and, and force those plays 
back inside. I mean, if, if Vince Beagle can play at this level in this defense, then Jason, I think, can play at a much higher level. We, we might be talking about somebody between eight and ten sacks. Then number 10 for me is A.J. Epineza from Iowa, 6'6", 280 pounds. When you look back at the Dolphins and, and see that this past offseason, they very uncharacteristically went after Trey Flowers and Judavian Clowney. They were looking for something long-term with a younger player, and Epineza can certainly fill that role. So that rounds out my top 10, Paul. How is uh, the rest of your board shaping out? Boy, you're going to hate my number eight pick, but you know how I feel about this guy. A lot of our listeners know how I feel about this guy. I feel like CeeDee Lamb is the best wide receiver in this draft. I know Miami's wide receiver room is as thick as thieves. It's probably one of the most talented positions on the team. I don't care. CeeDee Lamb is a guy that can come in and be dominant, especially if you've got guys like Devontae Parker. You've got guys like Preston Williams. You've got your pesky guys underneath. I like what C.D. Lamb brings to the table and how electrifying it can make this passing offense in Miami to add him to that stable of wide receivers. The talent is there. I have I have to put him at eight, even though it, it's not a position of need. It's still strengthening a position that, that's absolutely important for, for the Dolphins. So I've got C.D. at number eight. Uh, Jedrick Wills, who you've already covered, fills that need at left tackle and, and does it with flourish, which is the toughest position for Miami to fill in the, in free agency along the offensive line. So even if they do go a little offensive line heavy in free agency, I think they're probably going to have to address the position in the draft as well for that left tackle spot. At number 10, we're finally in agreement after number two. And I, I've got A.J. Epineza what he's able to do and the fact that he just seems like a prototypical Flores defensive player for that defensive end spot with the way he's able to defend the run, but still push the pocket, not a traditional speed rusher, but gets it done anyway. Yeah. Epineza seems to be hovering between that 10 and 20 spot uh, on a lot of consensus draft boards. And certainly he'd he'd make a lot of sense for the Dolphins. But one two players I noticed we haven't mentioned yet. Uh, mm-hmm. In addition to you know what we, you know I've got two at three. You've got him later on in the draft or, or on your draft board. Is we haven't mes- mentioned uh, Justin Herbert from Oregon or uh, Jordan Love from Utah State. So I'll tell you this right now, Paul. I've I'll, I'll put my nuts on the table. I am not putting Justin Herbert in my top 26 picks. And and here's why, because it would not make sense to me to hire Chan Gailey, who specializes in getting these mobile quarterbacks and to get a a quarterback with uh, Justin Herbert's skill set to draft him at five, to draft him at 18, or even to draft him at 26, because he's somebody that despite what he did at senior bowl week, he's, he's not mobile, doesn't specialize in ball placement and never improved at any point uh, throughout any of his three years at Oregon, even though he's a good player throughout. You hit the nail on the head with one thing that you said there in particular. And I think if it wasn't for this, I think Chan Gailey could find a way to to work with him on the offense. He's not the most immobile quarterback. We're not saying he's Bernie Kosar. 
But the ball placement is such a huge issue for me. When I go back and I, I watch tape on Herbert, and, and I encourage our listeners to do so, going back and watching tape on Her, Herbert, he puts way too many balls in places that are going to be intercepted at the pro level. It doesn't translate, and it's going to be something that maybe they can break him up, maybe they can't. But if they can't, it's such a deal breaker at that position to be putting way too many balls in a defender's bread basket that I just can't get there with Herbert. Second round, maybe, maybe, and it's a big maybe. There's too many guys that are too talented that I can't get a guy that's going to throw, you know, Jameis Winston level interceptions, and I don't care what his number said in college. And if you ask anybody and their mother after senior bowl week, he is a lock for the top 10. I would not touch him at that spot. I'm glad we're in agreement on that. Uh, so let's continue with our draft board here. Number 11 for me is Josh Jones out of Houston. Um, there's a lot of differing opinions on this guy. I mean, uh, Todd McShay actually jumped in from 201 on his draft board to, to 18, which after senior bowl week, which uh, that, that that's a whole different story. But he, he has a great ability to play. I mean, you're talking about a – uh, four-year starter at Houston, and a great pass protector, and he showed the ability during Senior Bowl week to play right tackle and also kick inside the right guard as well. He has a very high pass rush, or excuse, excuse me, a uh, pass protection grade from Pro Football Focus of 93.2, and offensive line for Pro Football Focus is a grade that I really do admire and respect. Number 12 is Mackay Becton from Louisville. This is one of the more intriguing players of the draft, a massive mauler at 6'7", 370 pounds. I'm not sure if he's technical enough. I'm not sure if it matters. He's drawn comparisons to uh, Trent Brown and to Brant McKinney. Uh, he played left tackle and right tackle uh, because of Bobby Petrino early in his career, <laughs> his ability to just flip-flop left tackle and right tackle based on the play. But he, he has experience at both spots. And then 13, that's where Isaiah Simmons comes off the board for me. And, look, I like Isaiah Simmons as a prospect. He's fast, he gets it, and he's extremely versatile. But when the most encouraging thing about him is his versatility, that's where I start getting a little bit worried because – at free safety, I'm not I'm not sure you can put him at free safety. And if you're going to put him at free safety, he better be an all-pro like Derwin James in his first year. Or if you're going to play him at middle linebacker, he better immediately be a Miles Jack or a Jalen Smith type, type of player immediately. I, I think his versatility is his best asset, and it's a really good asset. That's why I've got him here at number 13. So a talented player, but not, not somebody I have incredibly – high uh compared to a lot of uh, a lot of dolphins twitter so yeah for me for me i'll jump in at number 11 uh, i've got xavier mckinney the safety out of alabama i think safety's too deep of a position i think miami probably fills that need later on but mckinney is is far too talented to not have on this list and so i've got him here at 11 after that i'll agree with you i've got mckay becton at number 12 I love Becton's skill set. I think he can be an absolute mauler wherever Miami wants to put him outside of center on the offensive line. But I do love the idea of him at left tackle and letting him grow into the position. Um, 
at number 13, I've got Tristan Wirfs, who I know you've already talked about. I know you've got him a little higher than I do. Uh, I know Miami needs to fill fill the position, but again, the talent levels dictated a little bit of where I've got folks on, on this list, and I think Mackay Becton upside puts him out of worse here. Yeah. At number 14, I've got uh, Derek Brown from Auburn, and you've got him number four, and I certainly see what you see out of the guy because – he can flat out maul people and he's six five three eighteen. And I start to think at, at certain point, like, am I just overthinking this a little bit? And is this guy the next, you know, Fletcher Cox who can absolutely destroy people. And my hesitation with him and why I've got him down at 14 is because of his lane discipline. I think he's a balls to the wall type of player where he's just going to get into the backfield at all costs. And I'm not sure if that fits, in a Brian Flores defense at number 15, this is where Jordan love is ranked for me. And, you know, the big thing is Paul, if in the, with the top 14 players that I have, I feel that all 14 are going to come in and play at a high level immediately and have the long-term potential. Jordan love is, is somebody I've moved between five 25 30 on my Dolphins draft board because he, he has incredible he has an incredible skill set. I mean 64 225 and I absolutely believe that he he took a step back this year because he lost 9 of 11 starters at Utah State this past year. But the skill set is certainly there and if the Dolphins don't get Joe Burrow, they don't get Tua, then you can't assume they're going to get a quarterback in 2021 that that at my point it, it has to be where the Dolphins go aggressively after Jordan Love whether it's taking him at five or whether it's trading up from 18 yeah I, for me I, I had to go ahead and, and I had to take CJ Henderson at 14 myself but it's I see where you're at with Love it's He's he's very, very, very talented. I do have him on my list, but we'll get to him a little bit later on. Um, and I snuck Kalevon Chase on in at number 15 here. I know you had him a lot higher. You know how I feel about the kid. I do think he could be an impact player for Miami. And then I'll slide in at 16 here with, with T. Higgins, another wide receiver, just to piss you off a little bit. <laughs> but no, I'm, <laughs> you know, I've, I've loved T. Higgins throughout the process. I mean, one of my earliest mock drafts, I, I had Miami taking T. Higgins in the 20s. But again, it, it's looking at the talent on the board. I, I've got to go with, with, with another wide receiver here. And, and it's, it's mainly because of what T. Higgins did, especially as the season wore on. He's far too talented for me to ignore. Well, I'm certainly going to warm your heart with this next one at 16. That is C.D. Lamb. and uh, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, to me, I see a DeAndre Hopkins clone and a player that I'm willing to break the rules for if he falls to that 18 spot. Incredible hands. He can stretch the field vertically, can stretch the field horizontally. and yeah, I mean, if 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 in any situation he ends up on the roster, he's probably going to be playing on that outside boundary, 
but he'll be, he'll be playing opposite Devontae Parker. And then, you know, Preston Williams coming back from injury, Albert Wilson in the slot. If he stays with the team, we'll figure that out uh, when that time comes. 17 for me is Lloyd Cushenberry, the center out of LSU. It might be a little bit early for some people. I see a 10-year starter. And yeah. The, the player I compare him to is not Mike Pouncey, but Marquise Pouncey because of his ability to anchor at that size, 6'3", 310 pounds. And for me, what matters at the center guard spot is how infrequently the player loses. And Cushenberry does not lose a whole heck of a lot. And number 18 for me is Bradley and I. You know, we think more of Anai than I think a lot of people out there who have him as a second or third round pick. But I, I see a very powerful player at the edge position, technically refined, uses his hands very well, can drop back into coverage if need be, maybe not as well as some, some of the other linebackers in this draft, but, but somebody I see as, as somebody who can be that 10-sack guy. Yeah, I've got Yator Gross-Matos, the, the defensive end out of, out of Penn State. Uh, he, he's, he's a great consolation prize for missing out on Kalevon Chason. If Miami does, he, he's going to be somebody that's going to be an effective starter. He's going to be able to get to the quarterback. He's going to be able to set the edge against the run. Something you're going to see from a lot of these, these first-round talents, even if they slide a little bit differently on the scale. After him, I've got Christian Fulton in the quarterback corner. Uh, he's another guy that I know one of our listeners out there has higher even than Akuda. For me, Akuda still stays at the top of the list on the cornerback pile. But again, it's Christian Fulton, an, an ultra-talented corner that I think could, could make a few Pro Bowls in Miami as he develops. After that, I had to go receiver again. It pisses me off. I, I don't really want Jerry Judy, but the talent, again, it, it, it's one of those consistency things. I can't leave him off a list like this because he is an ultra-talented receiver. He showed that after Tua went down. He showed that he has the ability to take over a game. He just wasn't able to do everything himself, which which says a lot for the guy. You're not pissing me off on that because I've got Jerry Judy as well at number 19 because of, of his ability to play the slot mainly. Uh, and if Tua is that pick at five, that sweetens the pot even more because uh, they went back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons there uh, at Alabama, even though Tua didn't play <laughs> the, the last couple of games. But it, it and that's that's what's important to being a wide receiver is C.D. Lamb, I'm willing to break the rules on, even though he's a boundary guy. Jerry Judy, if you have him in one-on-one coverage throughout the game, I think that's a different story. Uh, number 20, I've got Isaiah Wilson out of Georgia, 6'7", 340 pounds. And you've seen a lot of success in the NFL over recent years with players like uh, Orlando Brown and Morgan Moses, these mammoth right tackles. He's not the most technically refined type of guy, but he's very productive. And at you know 21 years old, if you can teach him a couple things, then then I think he's going to be a very good player on that offensive line. And at 22, at, at 21, this might be a little bit of a surprise. Ashton Davis out of California, six one, hundred and ninety five, two hundred pounds. Um, He's coach. He was coached at California by New Dolphins defensive backs coach Gerald Alexander, and I, I could see Brian Flores and Gerald Alexander agreeing that this is a very good free safety. Uh, he's somebody that could be the Patrick Chung type 
in the back end of that defense except at the free safety spot. And at number two, number 22, C, uh, Cesar Ruiz from the University of Michigan, 6'3", 315 pounds, uh, can play center, can play guard, but very, very solid player across the board. Doesn't lose a whole heck of a lot of battles and could increase the not only the pass protection, but the run blocking on the interior of the Dolphins line. At number 20, I went with my first true linebacker in, in this draft. I know Isaiah Simmons can play linebacker. We don't know where he's going to settle, if he's going to settle, if he's going to be a movable piece. Kenneth Murray is going to be planted in that defense at linebacker and destroy opposing offenses for years to come. The guy's absolutely a phenomenal athlete. He can play sideline to sideline. He he recognizes plays well. And, and once he gets his mitts on you, you're going down. And the explosiveness I see out of Murray – has me loving the guy and wishing I could rank him higher on this list. It's just the talent of the players above him. But again, he's going to be a cornerstone of this offense or defense for years to come if he ends up in Miami. After that, I've got Grant Delpit, somebody that halfway through the year we thought was going to be a top 10 pick, was a lock to be a top 10 pick, and has just been sliding like crazy. The talent is there. The production just wasn't. And I don't know if it's a product of everybody else on the team around him producing. So you see his numbers dip. But again, Delpit's a, a ridiculously talented guy that may be a steal at number 21. After that, I went back to the corner well with Trayvon Diggs. Again, corners of position Miami does need to strengthen, even though they've got a lot of depth there. And, and I think Diggs could be a guy that comes in as a consolation prize after missing on the, on the three I've got above him. I'll pick up there at 23, and my guy is going to beat Xavier McKinney. And what I like about him is that he has the ability to not only play the free safety spot, but also come down and play nickelback. And I think that's important in this type of defense because Bobby McCain and Xavier McKinney, if they're rotating between those two spots, then you've got a lot of unpredictability and you've got two players who are aggressive and willing to come up and defend the pass as well as come up and, and willing to hit you. Twenty. Three, or excuse me, 24, I've got, and I hate that I have to put a running back on this list because I hate putting running backs on this list. Don't cave. Anywhere in the first round. J.K. Dobbins from Ohio State. Um, Incredibly productive uh, running back at, at the University of Ohio State. What I love about him is his vision as well as his pass protection skills coming into the league. And when you look at what Josh Jacobs did coming in from um, from Alabama, 24th overall pick to the Raiders, immediately a 1,300-yard back. If As long as Dobbins can come in and continue to pick up those pass protections, I think he's going to be a, a 12, 1,300-yard runner if he's able to stay healthy because he's going to be able to to stay on the field and be that bell cow. 25, Marlon Davidson from Auburn. And somebody who really moved up my board after Senior Bowl week, because I thought he was a 6'3", 275-pound, 280-pound type of player, but he shows up at 297 pounds. And uh, he, he wears these bicycle shorts. And it, it's not going where you think I'm going with it. It's uh, I'm he, staying away from this one. 
he shows uh, he shows the uh, he really showed that well-defined lower body when throughout the year he was somebody who looked <laughs> he looked like a trash can out there on the field. But he can play the edge in that three four. He can be that that first and second down player, and then he can move inside and replace Davin Gottschaw on those obvious passing downs. But somebody who's very productive, and he gave Andrew Thomas a lot of problems when he played Georgia this past year. And finally, one, rounding out my list at number 26 is uh, Yeter Gross Matos. And somebody I probably don't like as much as you, Paul, but um, he's got a lot of length, and he's also very scheme versatile. I, I see him being a player that can combine with Christian Wilkins and Davin Gotcha on the interior of that line. You know, I, I think he's somebody who – is going to will his way to the quarterback and has a lot of length too. So that's going to round out my list. How is the rest of your list looking? Well, at 23, I've got a guy that I know Dolphins fans won't recognize their name, the name here, but uh, some guy named Tua Tagovailoa. Oh, uh, yeah. Quarterback. You know, I don't know if you've heard his name before. But uh, all kidding aside, after that, I went back to back to the LSU well. And Patrick Queen, the linebacker, I love this game speed I see from him out on the field, the decision-making, and the instinctiveness. He, he's a guy that I think would fit very well in a Brian Flores defense. And if you've got him and Jerome Baker on the field, you've got speed for days at the linebacker spot. After that, Jordan Love slips onto this list. You've covered him already. I, I almost had him above Tua. And I, I think I'd be happier with him than, than two at this point, and depending on what we see injury-wise as, as the draft gets closer. But again, I, I think the durability is there with Jordan Love, but it's not there with Tua. So it's hard for me having him below below that. And after giving you so much crap for putting a running back on your list, I'm going to do something that you're going to view as even sillier here. I know Miami's got Mike Gesicki next year, and I know Gasicki's going to get on the field. I love the development we saw out of him in the 2019 season. But I'm going to go back a little bit to what we saw when New England had Rob Gronkowski and some guy named Aaron out on the field together at the tight end spot and how lethal it was to defend. I love the tight end position. You know I do. I didn't plan on having a tight end as a first-round talent. But the more I watched Cole Kmet out of Notre Dame, the more I liked the, the, the varied skill set he brings to the table. What Miami could do creatively with Chan Gailey at the helm and, and a tight end that can block, but also line up out, out wide and be almost like another Gronk at, at 6'5 and a half, 250, with the ability to lower his shoulder. He's still fairly new to football overall in the grand scheme of things. So he's got a lot of room for growth, despite the fact that I think he put up 600 yards his senior year on 60 catches or some ridiculousness there. And what Miami can do with those creative, movable pieces on offense is something that I'm a huge fan of. So Cole Komet rounds out this list for me. As much as I wanted to get a Cushenberry on there, as much as I wanted to get some of these other guys on there, Komet is intriguing enough for me that I'd throw him in the first round. I like Cole Komet a lot, and if he is somebody that is going to block in line and you're going to use Mike Kosicki 
in that Quincy Inunua role, which uh, w who was very productive for Chan Gailey back in uh, 2015 and 2016. Then I think that could make a lot of sense as long as you're ta also talking about Albert Wilson off the team. But I, I think he's a talented player, and that could be an interesting option. And I'm all for options that the NFL hasn't seen before. And if you have a dominant inline blocking tight end like uh, Cole Komet, who could be that, uh, who could be a two-way player too. And you've got Mike Kosicki, who did a lot of things that other tight ends can't do. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense, and I think Gailey would be open to that type of option. But So we've rounded out our top 26 list, Paul. But I, I would say overall, going back to something you said in the show, is obviously Joe Burrow is your number one guy. He's my number one guy too. And you've got Tua at 23. You've got Jordan Love at 25. You've got Herbert off the board and you also talked about you know the need to probably get a quarterback this year so I'll throw it back to you and put you on the spot where are the Dolphins getting that quarterback or do you just want to get very good players on the Dolphins team this year with this draft and collect good players and get the quarterback when you can I you know you you brought up the 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 joke that Lee Steinberg put out there about the Cincinnati Bengals, I'm going to take you a step further with the news reports. Outside of, of, of the process, there have been some rumors starting up that the Bengals are intrigued with Justin Herbert. Carson Palmer came out and slammed the Bengals as being an organization not dedicated to winning. And then you see Joe Burrow put out there, that he wants to go to an organization dedicated to winning. And things get a little murkier. I think Miami's got enough draft picks over the next two years that they could sell or, or, or sell a little bit to get in position to go after Burrow. You've already got Chris Greer saying that he will not be outbid. Do I think the Bengals take Burrow? I do. But I'd be willing, and I know this is going to piss some people off, but over the next this this year's draft and next year's draft, Miami could put together a package that includes three first round picks, two seconds, and still be able to build a ridiculously talented roster and get that franchise quarterback that doesn't have the question marks around him and bring Burrow to Miami. That that would be the ultimate thing for me. It'd be a huge package. Basically, you traded Laramie Tunsil and a, a second to to get in your first round this year to go ahead and get your quarterback of the future. And I'd give up Tunsil every day of the week to get that franchise quarterback. I certainly would, too. I just don't see any way the Dolphins are going to end up getting Joe Burrow. And if that happens and the Dolphins, uh, you know, get the quarterback when they can, I, I could understand thinking that way too. I, I, at the end of the day, I want to, uh, at number five and I, I, the, with the way the stars are beginning to align with, uh, to, uh, to his family wanting to come to Miami Tua wanting to come to Miami. They've been very public about that. And I, I think it's a very poorly kept secret that the dolphins want to, uh, I, I can't see how it's not going to happen at this point, uh, either in a trade up from five to three or or staying put at number five. But 
that's where we sit right now because things could get interesting. And if the heat surrounding Chase Young gets even hotter and that's the Bengals' number one pick or the Bengals do fall in love with Justin Herbert after that senior bowl week, lots of questions heading into the NFL draft. We've gone through our top 26 board as we stand right now, and Paul and I also reserve the right to change this board 20 million times between now and the draft in 11 weeks. And you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Brian Cat NFL. Paul is fanatic underscore pick. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the thin side. So, Ladi, take us home. It ain't the left side or the right side. And it must be the thin side. Thin side. It ain't the left side or the right side. And it must be the thin side. Listen, Dolphins fan.